Okay, ladies, so um, first of all, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here because everybody that's here helps the rest of us to have a connection. We're starting the first part of our evening over here so that we can hear from all of you. And then we're going to move over there so that we've just set the stage for where, how we're going to move forward in our, um, you know, in the upcoming Living Carbonated program. So, um, I, 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 from what I've heard from a couple of people, some people are here, maybe even a lot of people are here because of what's going on in the world and people are searching for a way to respond. So, yeshikoach for coming because I think that what we're trying to achieve in Living Carbonated is more important now than ever before. And honestly, I, I, I can't believe that we started this before because we, we began before this terrible, terrible situation. And so we started our response before the tsara began, before the trouble began. And that's always a very good thing for the Jewish people. So um, what, as I said, on this, this part of the evening, the first part of the evening, we'd like to hear from you because we all seem to do well when we can talk to each other. And we all get so much from hearing each other and from sharing. I just want to start off with um, I want to start off with just a little bit, a little a thought. First of all, I have a thing that I keep on my fridge. I don't know if I turned off the recording. How do I know? Because if I touch it, it turns off, right? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, still Okay. I'm not good at this stuff. I have this little placard that I keep on my fridge, which I happen to love. It was put out by Miriam Adahan. Miriam Adahan is a psychologist who many of you have heard about. And she uh, has a book called Emotional Maturity Established Through Torah, which I discovered about 30 or more years ago, which started me on a whole path that I've been delving into and studying and researching for years. Um, she has a plaque that says, we can yearn to do Hashem's will instead of focusing on petty matters. And I like to look at that because, you know, like all of us, life is full of, of petty matters. And it's a really smart thing sometimes to let go of the petty matters. And I think at a time like this, the petty matters become more and more and more petty. And I think we're all beginning to see that. But I really wanted to start with something that I actually, it's a puzzle that I shared last uh, year when we started, we had our first Living Carbonated kickoff. I don't know how much people heard. It was a lot of people, and I tried to jam-pack it with a lot of different ideas. But right now, this idea is so, so important for each and every one of us. It's a pasuk in Yechezkel. The prophet Yechezkel is talking to the Jewish people, and he's quoting Hashem. And it's such, it's, oh, it's sort of sad that Hashem has to say this, but this is what he says. I saw just one person that would make offense. And that person would stand in the breach before me for the land, for Eretz Yisrael, so I don't have to destroy it. And when we presented it last year at the very beginning of Living Carbonated, 
the message I was trying to give, apart, uh, give across is that <sighs> Claudia Stone needs a fence. We're fading. We're getting very, you know, <clears throat> swallowed up by the society around us, by our inner worlds, our outer worlds, and somebody has to take a stand for what Jews are and what we're living for. That's what Hashem is looking for. But now, at this time, when we are threatened by Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran and Iraq and Syria and all of those, it takes on such a deeper and greater meaning. And the honest goodness thing is that he wants one person. One person. So I think if each one of us realizes we are that one person that can stand in the breach. And it doesn't mean becoming a huge tzaddikus uh, overnight. That's not what this is about, and that's not what we're trying to achieve with living carbonated. We're, there are two things that Hashem is asking for that we all see and we all know. These two things we can achieve, maybe not perfectly, but we can make progress. Thing number one, as you all are seeing, is that Hashem wants us to be united. He wants us to love each other and be united. And it doesn't mean you can't have problems with other people. It means you respond from a place of respect and love and try to make things work. The second very important thing is that Hashem wants us to be aware of him. The world tries to live without an awareness of God and how many of us, although we walk to Shulun Shabbos and we make a beautiful chalent and we dive in and we do this and that, we do it because, well, we're Jews and that's what we do. Are we aware of him at every moment? Is he in our hearts and our minds and our life every second? Now, that's, that's not so easy to achieve, but why can't we work towards it together? That's all we're trying to do here. Wherever you come from, whatever place you're in, in your Yiddishkeit, in your heart, in your relationship with Hashem, in your relationship with yourself, you can step forward and you can step higher. That's what living carbonated is all about. The problem is that it doesn't happen unless we work. And none of us, I'm talking for myself, I don't want to work. I'm a good Jew, you know, I try to be a good Jew. Can't that be enough? No. And you know why it can't be enough? Because I'm not happy when I'm not connected to God. That's when everything seeps in that's self-destructive and, and destroys us when we're not close to him. He's showing us so clearly what he wants from us, so we're going to try to respond. I want to start off by telling you a story that I heard about somebody who stood in the breach. There was, I, I, I actually, um, I heard an interview on CNN. They were interviewing a woman named Ilana. And this woman was an Oles. She had gone, moved to Israel many, many years before. And she had a son who grew up in Israel and was in the army. And at this point, he was 20 years old on October 7th. Now, by the time a person in the army is 20 years old, he's already sometimes achieved officer status. He was no longer like a recruit or a regular soldier. He was an officer. And, and she's talking, and the person's interviewing her, and the mother told about what happened on October 7th. So on October 7th, when Hamas started attacking all of these um, yeshuvim and, and kibbutzim, 
They first went to the military bases. They tried to get to the military bases. So they came to this military base here, and um, let's say here's, you know, here's the base. And the, the people that were on the base then were full of recruits, young guys about 18 years old that were being trained. And this young man, Yanai, this boy, he's 20 years old, is an officer, and he and three or four others, other officers are training these recruits when all of a sudden they get attacked by Hamas. Now, he, they had had the recruits out, you know, doing maneuvers and stuff, trying to, to, to do what they would do in case of, a, of an attack or of a war. He realized quickly, they're not experienced. They're, they're going to get killed. He, he and the other officers chased all of the recruits into a safe area, and he and the other four officers started to fight Hamas. Now, behind this army base, there was a whole big kibbutz, whole big kibbutz. While he, while Yanai and the other officers, the three other guys, were fighting by themselves because they were trying to protect the recruits, the people in the kibbutz heard what happened, heard the fighting, and they armed themselves and they were able to protect themselves. No one on that kibbutz was hurt. Yanai was killed with the three other guys that were fighting with him. And one recruit, I don't know how it happened, but they lost one recruit. Everybody else was saved. And when I, I heard this mother talking, her name is Ilana, she actually had a sense of pride that her son, she said he's always a person that was always helping others and always taking a stand for others. And honestly, you know, he gave his life, Akidush Hashem, which is a, a very beautiful thing. But he is an exa example of standing in the breach. He literally stood in the breach. He literally protected the fence. Now, when the Torah is talking about, when the Navi talks about if I could find one person to make a fence and stand in the breach, it's not talking about fighting Hamas. That is a very physical and clear example. We have to be taking a stand for the Malchus Hashem, each of us in whatever way we can. We need to stand in the breach. So my first question to you is, what's the breach? Let's define, you tell us, what's the breach? And then let's talk about, have we taken a stand? Are we standing in the breach? Are we building a fence? Are we protecting Klal Yisrael? Are we protecting a relationship with Hashem? Are we protecting Eretz Yisrael? So let's first, let's understand what's the breach because we need to know what our job is. So we're just gonna have this little discussion here. We're gonna hear from you on different aspects of living carbonate and what we've achieved so far. And then we're gonna go over there, we're gonna get organized, and we're gonna just lay out the steps that we can take and the things we want to know and our vision for who we can become. So let's start with that. What, when we say, when Hashem says, I want someone to stand in the breach, what is he talking about? What's the breach in 2024, almost? 23, 24. What do you see as the breach? Are we all safe? Are we all connected to Hashem? Are we, like, what's the breach? Yes. I'm not fully formed thoughts, and I certainly can't define exactly what the breach is for me because I don't really know. 
the way that I think about it is that, and this is, I mean, this is a very specific thing. <coughs> There's store observance, and it's not easy, and it's getting harder and harder. And with the store observance comes the connection to Hashem. So to me, the breach is where we get to we exercise our free will and either choose to do those things or not. And, and the fact that in this day and age, it is getting increasingly more difficult. So to you, the breach is that observance of mitzvahs of Torah is difficult and getting harder. Can you give us an example? Tanaeus is very difficult. It's, it's absolutely not in. If you have one thing in fact, then you have long skirts, and you have a measure of then you have, it's just, it's almost impossible. And very hard. nobody really, not nobody, got value. Can you relate to that? Tanaeus is a difficult thing. What else is the breach? We got a lot of breaches, folks. We got a wall that is crumbling. We got a wall that is crumbling. And listen, I think all of you know that something very beautiful has come from this horrible, horrible time of trouble. And that is we feel more connected to each other. And Jews all over the world are actually thinking about God. Now he's achieving what he needs to. He's achieving what he wants from us. Faith. Um. To that point, I think the breach is where, and I don't know what, what the timeline looks like, but at some point within, you know, modern day Judaism, we decided to put ourselves into different categories and corners. We put ourselves into different differentiations because we're tribal. I get it. We all have things that we relate to when we come around with the people that are most like us. But I think that we have, and I have, forgotten that there is a very large polyester out there. Um, the most recent Pew study, the majority of Pew said they're Jews of no religion because they're just so disconnected. And maybe they don't want to be Makari. Maybe they just want to be talked to as a human and related to as another soul. And I went to the barbecue festival this weekend, and I saw that. I saw people who just all of a sudden, all of the connections that they had, people they thought they were close with in their own worlds, were silent. Yes. But we're not, we don't have to be silent. We don't have to, you know, say, hey, you're, you're, you're not keeping Shabbos yet, come keep Shabbos. We can say to them, hey, you're a fellow soul. And I can relate to you on the most basic level as we're all used together. From there, what can we build? So the Jewish community in Atlanta is huge with its four conservative movements. What are, what are we doing? We're a broken apart people. That's a big breach. That's a serious one. Yes? Um, for me, a lot of the breach comes from just speaking for myself mm -hmm. is, you know, all the things outside of you know, cutting this from the dog and stuff like that, like work and stuff that just kind of takes over. Right. The world out there. Like you, you, you forget that none of that matters. Right. I mean, I mean it matters because you have to pay the bills, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. You mean like living regular life. Yeah. 
That's a big distraction, I would say. Yes. Is that how you want to put it? Is that what you want to say? Or do you want to mean you mean the world out there? Like, what 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 is it you want to? The brief, for me, the brief is you know, just always remembering that Hashem is the key. So we get distracted from thinking about God. Yes. Distraction. What about relationships, families, mm-hmm. mental health, mm-hmm. physical health? Money. Yes. Raising children <laughs> is um, <laughs> raising children is important. <laughs> um, raising observant Orthodox loving um, souls is really hard right now when there are so many outward influences and it's really hard. I find that when you're in a black or a white world it's very easy. Living in the gray is really hard yes. when you're raising children. Yes. What about inside? What are the inner breaches? Yes. I think right. many fear, actually. Like, obviously, in this day and age, we're all, we have like some levels of anti Semitism awareness that's cropping up, you know, in a stronger way. But also, I think, like, in the, you know, outside, in the not some world, um, and, and even in to some extent in the some world, the, like, the sort of almost subconscious like desire to fit in and assimilate in various ways because we're afraid of sticking out. We're afraid of being noticed. We're afraid like, you know, mm-hmm. in, in whatever version that is, we want to... We want to look like maybe them. Maybe we want Sneeze to be more fashionable or we want to, whatever, so that we are... Right. We don't want to stick out. Yes. Overall, it's how you think about what you're doing. Um, so, all the basic things we do recently, I have found I have elevated all of that just in my thought process in it. So, instead of it being, um, especially my teeth, whatever, it's bringing meaning to my life. Beautiful. So, um, so the breach is that we haven't really, we're, we're not thinking about bringing meaning to our lives all the time. Look. You know. Anybody else? I mean, there are dozens and dozens and dozens. Yes, Rachel. Judging, judging. That's a part of this, this separateness of, 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 the peop- of our people. We judge, we judge, we judge, and we judge. We judge ourselves, too. Judge ourselves and analyze ourselves. Anybody else? Yes, Gitty. I'm going to go to Kaplan. I'm still not the only one who's having scary thoughts and struggling with. Making Hashem real and trusting Him is huge. That is the job of the generation of Mashiach. We have two things that we own that other generations didn't have. Number one, we have to be complete people of Emunah. We have to let go of everything we thought could help us, including the United States government and the police and the army and everything, and just trust Hashem, which we're going to be talking about, making Hashem real and trusting Him. The other thing, the other thing that we, as the generation 
I suspect of Mashiach is that we're a bridge. Our generation, the, the Dor Acharon, is called the bridge to Mashiach because through our tefillos, we're able to bring him closer. So we have a big choice right now because big things are happening, bigger than we've ever had happen in our lives before. And it's, it's in your face. It's in everybody's face. It's, it's in the you know, newscasters and the, and, the, and the speakers on the news. And I've been turning on and off things, and I, I know I shouldn't listen, and I'm trying to limit it, but I have to hear what's the news, what are they saying. And I'm hearing a lot of people say, this is bigger than anything we've ever experienced. And they're, they're not Jewish people. To us, this is bigger than anything we ever experienced. We have tools. We have tools. So what we want to do is take away our fear and replace it with inspiration, dedication, commitment, joy, growth. This is what we need to do now. And there's no reason that we can't do it. There's no reason that we can't. And I think that last year in our sessions, we really already started it. So um, we asked a few people if they would just come up and share a little bit of what they got from doing Living Carbonated last time, because we want to build on that. We want to transform ourselves and our community and our world. That's what we're trying to do. And I know it sounds like, oh gosh, you know, what are you talking about? But why, why can't it happen? Why can't it happen? There's no reason except for the voices. So let's start and ask a couple of people. Nora Bluma, would you stand up and just share? I feel like, I feel like after you've spoken and everybody gave their opinion, this is like going back to really the square one. We're going to square one. That's what we want. We want square one. So, so positive, <laughs> whatever. Um, you would think that um, admitting that you have character, character flaws and that you need to change your attitude, you know, that would have happened a long time ago, you know. Okay, so really what I wanted to say today about some strides that I made with Living Carbonated and it's constant, constant review and constant work. It's not like it's in there and I automatically go to it. It's not true. I have to always tell myself that Hashem is always there for me. Hashem is always there with me. Um, if things didn't turn out the way that I thought they should, they weren't made, they weren't meant turn out to turn out the way that I Hashem had the other plan and I have to obviously go with Hashem's plan. But um, what I learned from this, what I'm learning constantly from this is that um, uh, I have to be patient and um, I can't respond with my initial inside reactions. I have to be able to stop myself Remember, Hashem is having is causing whatever is happening to happen. So I have to think about the appropriate response and respond in a way that will be a kiddush Hashem, and um, have the patience and have the language, and and just respond in a way that Hashem <coughs> would be proud and I do better service of Hashem. How does that make you feel? It's certainly better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's certainly better than what was. I hate to admit that. Okay. Like, okay, I had a, I had an attitude shift. I definitely, because Great. living carbonate, I had a lot of attitude. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hash
I think, um, Hannah, you were going to share something. Um, just in terms of the chaburos and the element that the chaburos, that, that element, um, see, the problem is, I think in modern day, we don't like to be vulnerable, right? So like Bluma said, she found that maybe she has some character defects. Well, we don't like to see character defects in ourselves. We don't like to share about ourselves with other people in general. But the fact of the matter is that we're all here together tonight. That's, that's a statement that you care about your inner world and you care about having a relationship with Hashem. We are a people. Our people are, is what creates that relationship with Hashem. When I talk to you and I share with you my, my feelings and my thoughts and what I've learned from the different svarim or different teachers or whatever, I'm really talking to myself. But without you, I can't talk to myself. And I think that, you know, people to start, thought to themselves about the chaburos, oh, it's going to be so hard and it's going to take so much time and I don't want to talk about personal things. We're not asking for you to talk about personal things if you don't want to. We're not asking you to spend a lot of time if you don't want to. What we would like to do is have you have a group of people that you can work together with, maybe, like, like Hannah said, reviewing just a few points that we talked about. And then, okay, how are we going to live these points? What's going to be different about my behavior, my language, the, my thoughts this week? Taking on little things that you tell your group, this is what I'm going to take on. Maybe a phone call in the morning. Different groups did different things. Some groups did fabulously and really enjoyed it and grew. And some people, it sort of just fell apart. So I would just say to you, I understand 100% where you're coming from, but if we don't do the work, together. 
borrowing kalim. Those of you who are in our, our living carpet in last year understand about borrowing your dishes, borrowing your vessels. And, and I honestly, I, you know, I'd be happy to meet with those people that are new. We have, a, we're going to start off with just a list of some terms and thoughts that we all know now. I'd be happy to meet with our new people separately and just explain what all of those thoughts are. But if we don't meet together and join in this together and work it, nothing will come. You'll have some new ideas, but you won't shift inside. The time has come for every Jew to shift inside and recognize what kind of life am I living? Am I living a godly life or am I just living a life for me? I think it's a question we have to ask ourselves. And Habura is the greatest facilitating way to get there. There's a seat right there. So thank you for mentioning that about Chaburas. And we really want to help you to find the right Chabura, or we'll talk about best practices for Chaburas. We'll give assignments. Sometimes in a Chabura, meet for half an hour. Spend five minutes writing about a question that you're asked to think about. So when we move over there in a couple of minutes, we're gonna go back to just a couple of basic ideas. And this, I wanna say all this also before we call on the next person. Listen. We have a Torah. We have prophets. We have giants of all the generations that have written books for us that tell us how to achieve what a Jew is in this world for. Unfortunately, or fortunately, you are given a job in this world, and you need to think, I need to think about what that job is in this world and whether I'm fulfilling it. If we don't think about that job, we go through life doing nice things, maybe even keeping mitzvahs, maybe making a nice Jewish home and all of that. But when we come to God, he's going to say, I, I gave you a job. You were supposed to be focused on the job of the Jew. I think you would like to be able to tell him that you knew your job and that you fulfilled it. We have to, you know, we want to shift. So, so we have these svarim and everything that tell us how to do that. I see my job as, you know, studying, researching, bringing you very deep and profound thoughts, but putting it into our language of today without putting too much pressure on ourselves, but waking ourselves up to truths that every Jew must live with. We don't want a war and a massacre to have to wake us up to who we are. And if you remember, the Vilna Gon said that when you're in your mother's womb, you learn the entire Torah, and he has explained, we, we talked about this last time, the entire Torah doesn't necessarily mean the Gemara and the Chumash, which I'm sure was included, but each person was shown how their mission fits into the overall mission of the world and how they are so necessary to the continuation and the health of the Jewish people. And then, says the Vilna Gon, when you die, the first Malach that greets you is that, that angel that talked to you in the womb and taught you your place in this world and your purpose. And he says, well, did you achieve your purpose? So many people now are suffering and unhappy. Now, sometimes it's circumstantial. Sometimes it's not. When you go, you realize what people in Israel are living through, you realize that the things that are bothering you are really not such a big deal. You know, we start to feel like I'm such a spoiled brat. I have a home. I have food. I have 100,000 people have been displaced by now. They don't have homes. They don't have food. 
They don't have their, their things that they own. And they have their children and they have to, it, it's crazy. And that's not even the worst of it. So but what we want to do is just bring a recognition of our power and our greatness into our lives and start living into that greatness. I know because of what I read, not because I have any special thoughts, that every Jew can reach that level of greatness that they were made for. And not only is it not so hard, it takes persistence. It brings ultimate joy, peace, and happiness. We think getting there means a whole lot of very serious work and we can't be happy and we have to, it's just the opposite. It's a joyous growth that we can share in with each other. Every single person, every single Jew. So that's what we're trying to do, to share with you the truths, the beauty, the ideas, the, the musar, the, the, the way to create a different, a bigger self, to step into a bigger self. Everybody wants to do it, and we can do it together. I believe that. I hope that you can believe that. Now we had somebody. Oh yeah, Rachel, right. Would you, would you stand up and share with us? Uh, okay, so when you guys asked me to speak, I assumed you wanted me to talk about the incident that happened last year during the first cousin meeting. Anything you want to say about it? So I'm going to touch on that, but then I'm going to do spin that you don't know about yet, which is that, um, so you guys remember at the end of the summer, it's blazing hot and the rain is torrential. Remember, it was the craziest storm we've seen here in 20 years. And, um, and Shabbos is coming. It's less than an hour away, and our power goes out. And I look out the window, and the creek that runs behind my house and is supposed to go in a tunnel under the street from out the other side has completely flooded. It looks like a lake between me and my neighbor. Not a lake, a like, gushing river. And we're looking out, like, oh my gosh, and there's a beach clip, what's that? And we're all taking pictures, like, look at this, look at that, look at the trash cans. And, um, and my power's out, along with three other houses. So everyone's saying, I got this, I got that. Um, we decide we're going to borrow some porches, porches, lanterns from a neighbor. Um, and then my husband goes, Rachel. And my photography studio had flooded. Um, so I'm taking pictures of all the water coming in, and I'm moving all my equipment out, and the time is ticking, and I put on the water cap, and I'm like, all right, let's go, and we're like mopping, and we're like, you know, squeegeeing, um, and I get a call from Mr. Feldman, who says, oh my gosh, the power's out, it's really hard, it's really hard, it's really hard. your studio flooded, what are you going to do, do you want me to come to me, come to me, I have power, and I have a uh, light, and I have air, and you can bring your food, or you can eat my food, whatever, just what do you need? <laughs> and the kids are thinking, Gamzu, let's all that, let's all that, let's that. And she, she's like, Rachel, I'm like, I can't hear you for singing. It's fine, thanks. <laughs> so, living carbonated with that week. Oh, so I mop, and then I look at my watch, and I turn to the kids, and I say, it's Shabbos. And we put down the mop, and we go upstairs, and we like candles. And I close the door to the studio, and I just look at it, all Shabbos. Because we're going to enjoy Shabbos. I can like freak out all Shabbos, or I can enjoy Shabbos. 
So um, we eat, and the kitchen is so cool because it's dark, but there's little lamp lanterns, and it's in the bed, and it goes um, and then living carbonated, Mrs. Selma walks in, she goes, how was your Shabbos? And I went, eh, fine. She's like, of course. <laughs> I said, no, we had a good time. Like, you know, you do what you gotta do. She got up in that living carbonated class, and all class, she said, let me tell you about Rachel's studio. <laughs> and the whole time I'm going, because like, I, I didn't think I did anything. Like, Shabbos is coming, and you can't bring on Shabbos. And you can either celebrate or you cannot. And I thought it was pretty straightforward, but she made me out like I was a hero. And I don't think I'm a hero. And I think in moments like that, it feels clear to me. But in the little moments, it's really murky. Um, and I said, if she thinks I'm capable of it, and she noticed that I did it, then it must mean I am capable of it, even when it's just about sitting in traffic and being angry. Right? And so from then on, I started looking for that power within myself. Um, and I think that's the value of us doing this together or in a chabora, is when we have these little moments of triumph that sometimes we don't even recognize as a moment of triumph, we can look at each other and think, look at what you did, you're a hero. And then we go home and say, well, I must be capable of more then. And if we all telling each other that we're capable of more, imagine what we can do. So I think that's the value of it. Yes, very Thank you. See, she really is a hero. Um, anybody else want to share thoughts about what we're talking about? This is, does it seem to you like this is very pressuring? Oh, no, I have to be a Jew that knows God, and I have to fulfill my... Are you hearing this as pressure or as opportunity? Rachel. So no supposed to. Okay. That you suggested we could read every day if we wanted to, and I read them for a week or two, and then I, they're still sitting near my candle. But you said one thing that really stuck with me. Stuck with me. You're going to do a mitzvah. Let's say you're going to light the candles. If before you do that mitzvah or while you're doing that mitzvah, you're saying to yourself, I am doing this and I am fulfilling a mitzvah, you're bringing awareness and consciousness to your action. And that's a really important thing. So really, of everything that you talked about, that's the thing that I took on the most. And consciously saying, OK, you know what? I'm going to daven today, not because I feel like it, not because I'm on time, but because it's a mitzvah for me to daven, so I'm going to do this, whatever it is I've decided to do. And I'm going to do it you know, as consciously as I can then how I feel about myself after that is like, wow, like, look at me, look what I did, that's amazing. And then being able to go share that little thing in our kabura, or having Bev send us a beautiful text about how because of something that was said in the kabura, she started noticing God talking to her in little droplets on a plant when she went outside to Daven and the sun was shining. And then that influences everybody to look more carefully and see God. Like, just the, just the increased awareness that A, I'm not doing this alone, B, that there is a roadmap for how to do it, and even though I don't know the roadmap, you're happy to tell it to me, and I'm happy to listen, 
and we can share it with each other and we can you know realize that we're all doing this together and that together we do have incredible <coughs> incredible power in the world it's a responsibility that many of us aren't really so excited to have but it's like it's our job and and we are going to be asked what did you do right true so one other thing i heard a rabbi this week say people are saying you know when is the geula coming when's the mashiach coming how, where's God? And this rabbi, Rabbi Daniel, <coughs> he said, I don't know, if I were God, I'd be saying, I don't know, it's up to you. When am I coming? Are you ready for me? And my biggest concern right now is how do we sustain this growth? Because what we're doing now is amazing. And I love that we started this before because I think the chaburas are a key to keeping it going. And what you said about accountability, and reviewing, those are like really key things. You don't get to be a great athlete by working out for a few weeks and then you stop and say, okay, I'm a great athlete now. Right. You have to keep doing it. Right, every day. So that's why if you have a chabura, thank you, Rachel, you can set up your chabura that every day there is maybe a WhatsApp thing or whatever, an email, something. Think about this today. Because, and I mentioned this last time, that um, the, the author of the Shulchan Aruch of Yosef Karo, who was like such a giant and such a holy man that he had, he had a small chabura of people that used to study every night. We used to learn Torah in the middle of the night and Hashem sent an angel to study with them and guide them. It's called the Magid Mesharim. Now Rabbi Yosef Kari, can imagine what kind of person he was that he had an angel speaking with him and guiding him in, in his learning. And the angel said to him, you have to learn Chobos Havavos every day. Now, Chobos HaVavos is a safer that teaches you how to live as a Jew. It's a Musr safer. Rip Yosef Karo has to learn a Musr safer. That line is such a Musr in itself. What? The man is learning Torah every minute. He's, he's beyond holy. Um, a Malach comes to learn with him every single night. He needs to learn Chobos HaVavos every single day. What about me? We say Shema twice a day. Same words. Same words, day after day, your whole life. How many thousands of times do you say Shema? Oh, you mean I should think about it more than one time? Oh, I should think about it every day? Oh, I should think about it twice a day? We, we want to realize who we are. We are beyond imagination. And it's not that hard to step forward and grow a little bit in a pleasant, loving way. And I think that we can do that. But... I just want to read you this little thing, and then we're going to go over. We're already late on our schedule. We're going to go over there and just set up what we're doing with the next few sessions, okay? We have a problem, and that problem is fear. Uh, somebody says to me, well, you could be a... Listen, I met a woman yesterday on Shabbos on the street. Such, she's a wonderful woman in our community. She's not here tonight. And she said to me, you know, so many amazing things are happening and I, I don't feel like I'm a clee. I don't feel like I'm a big enough vessel to take in everything that's happening. So I guess I have to become a bigger vessel. And I was so struck by what she said. That's exactly what we need to do. We need to become bigger vessels. We have limited the kind of vessels we are. We can expand those vessels, but then we think, Oh, but then who will I be? Will I not be myself anymore? Will I not be able to enjoy life anymore? Will I have to be really serious? And, and so I just want to read you this story. It's, it's from a book about Lech Lecha. 
And this is what he says. There is a story told of a man who was captured behind enemy lines during the war. To his horror, he was sentenced to death by firing squad. However, the captain gave the man another option. He told him, you can go to the firing squad tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., or you can choose to walk through this door. Feeling hopeful, the man asked, well, what's on the other side of this door? The captain answered, no one knows. All I can tell you is that there is some unknown power behind that door. The man thought it over, and the next morning when it came time to choose his fate, he selected the firing squad. After the shots rang out, the captain's secretary asked him, you've offered so many people the other option, and every time they choose the firing squad, what's beyond that door? With a look of dismay on his face, the captain answered, freedom. But people would rather face unknown death than journey into the unknown. We're afraid of the unknown, ladies. We're afraid of who we can become. It's too scary. And we're going to work on that fear. We're going to define it. We're going to distinguish it. And we're going to free ourselves to become the greatness that we are and that we're meant to be. Each woman in her own way, in her own being, fighting the demons that are in there, that have been in there for so many years. So let's go over to the other place, and we're just going to show you how we're going to move forward. And thank you so much for all of your sharing. We'll have more sharing here. Thank you, Rachel. That's so cute. You made a really good point, though. You made such a good point about what it offers each other when we point out our greatness. Yeah. We don't recognize them. I'm watching you transform. I'm not kidding. You were wonderful before, but I'm seeing things even in your face. I'm telling you, I'm saying it. I see it. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. get started because we don't want to stay too late. Can everybody see the screen? You can bring food with you if you want to, or you can take food home if you want to. Okay, so let me just explain something. We can all get settled here. We're going to tell you afterwards what all the pages are and everything. We're going to explain everything. everybody to have a binder and in that binder we have a reference book. There are 22 pages from, from Living Carbonated One and those pages deal with all the different ideas and things that we have that we've been dealing with. They are very rich with quotes, with ideas, with Torah thoughts. 
when we're learning together, I don't always want to spend so much time going through the Torah thoughts because we want to try to make it real. And that's when you have a reference book so that you can read it over yourself or read it with others in your Chabura. Tonight, we are starting with pages, page one, two, and three of Living Carbonated Two. Everybody has those three pages at their seat. Anybody who wants the 22 pages from Living Carbonated One, we have them for you. Okay? So I'm going to take a five minutes now to show you a PowerPoint that will reiterate our vision for us. Why do we need to reiterate our vision? Because once everybody here has their personal vision, you will have to keep it in front of your eyes all the time. We have to review and review and review our vision. Vision is personal. We're going to work on it together. We're all going to get there. So I just want to show you these. Can everybody see it? Okay. So Elisheva, can you do number one? When we're done, we're just going to talk for a few minutes. I'm going to try to explain page one. We're not going to get to page two or three tonight because it's going to take too long. We will get to all of these pages. And here is our vision. Let's go through it. If anybody wants to comment on the vision or ask a question about it, please do. Please, this is your chance to understand what we're trying to do in Living Carbonated. Here we go. We are powerful women. Women who support each other and work together toward a common goal. Here is the vision. We learn to make Hashem real in our lives. That's a tall order. We're going to do it together. We work on developing profound trust in Hashem, which is not just words that we speak. It's an actual deep feeling of peace and serenity all the time. And when we fall into the depths of anxiety and fear, we know how to get ourselves back. We work it, we practice it together. We speak the language of love, faith, and transcendence. We talked a lot about speaking a new language among us that we then spread to the whole community, to our families, to others who speak a different language because inside our heads we're in a different place. It's a language of, of God. It's a language of the neshama. We become people of love, faith, and transcendence. That's what we're meant to be. We discover and then practice the behaviors of the magnificent people we are meant to be. Each person will figure out her picture and will learn the behaviors that will lead her to that picture. And we can get there. We live to serve God. It's actually a happy thought, not a pressuring thought. We live carbonated. We're alive. Life matters. It's exciting. We're enthusiastic. We look forward to the ability to serve him, to be with others, to connect, to give love, to make the world a beautiful place, even in a time of horror. Our community is uplifted and inspired. There are a lot of women in this room. You think a community doesn't react if this number of women isn't slowly shifting into a place of love, serenity, caring, holiness, connection, the whole community is going to change. Everybody is going to go and drink from what we're bringing them. As a community, we take a stand for Hashem. We stand in the breach. We are that one that stands in the breach like Yanai, like that young boy Yanai. 
for his Torah, and for all of humanity. Every one of us has that responsibility. Don't limit yourself. Next. How can we keep ourselves alive to these truths and to our mission in this world? Have a friend. It doesn't have to be more than one. It could be one other person. But have a friend. Oh, I don't know if I'm even recording this. <laughs> have a friend that you can work with, that you can be held accountable with, that you can call around and say, I'm a miserable failure. Everything I thought I had in my mind has been lost. Today, I'm an absolute, a terrible, terrible person. And she can say some of the lines that will bring you back to a place of acceptance of self, understanding we move forward little steps at a time. It's a process. It's a lifetime job. And it brings tremendous joy and inner peace. There's no comparison, says the Torah. We have this in our reference book in Hebrew. Between one person who seeks to do Hashem's will and a group who seeks to do Hashem's will. I don't want to sound corny, but I want to tell you that anybody who's here tonight in a large group of women that are all focused on doing the will of Hashem brings the Shekhinah into this room. And the scab of the Shemaya, the help we get from Hashem, is unimaginable. It's, it's great when one person does it on their own, but when you have a group, a disparate group like this, who comes together to do this, drink it in. You will have tremendous help if we commit ourselves to this. And we do it together. Next page. Is it possible to really get there? To become someone that lives with Hashem and thinks about Hashem and lives love and kindness and transcendence? My job is to make the effort. And our Chassal tell us, don't distance yourself from a character trait that has no end. Because you could go on and on and on with this. You could live a thousand years and not reach where you could be. And from work that has no finish. There's no end to this work. Our job is to take a step and enjoy it and be happy about it and love each other and do it together and fail and try again and fail and try again and feel Hashem's love and His pleasure. So do the work with your chaburah Speak the language. Focus on your values. We're going to talk about how to do that. Use the strategies. We're going to have a lot of strategies. Love, transcend, persist. That is our mantra. We're going to learn about the power of love and speaking love. We're going to learn about how we are able to transcend ourselves and lift ourselves higher. And the power of persistence. 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 Next page, please. This is the puzzle from Yechesko. We're showing a fence that has been breached and some soldiers standing in the breach and fighting to save everyone else. I sought a person who could build a fence and stand in the breach before me. That has to be me. I'm the one standing in the breach. The world doesn't know God and doesn't want to know God. We are his people. You were born with a mission. This is your mission to stand in the breach. So can we. And I stood in the breach. So can we. Let's tap into our greatness and discover the role we each can play. Take the stand for Malchus Hashem, for the kingship of Hashem, and what that looks like. 
don't even know what it looks like because we don't live in a world that recognizes God. We have to create it. And he's put us in a position now where we're so aware of it. We're so aware that we have to create it. Okay, now here are our next steps. This is what we're going to be working on. The first three pages, we have them. We're not going to finish them tonight, but here's what we're going to work on. Number one, we are going to really get the purpose of creation. Once you really get it, you know what you have to do. Number two, what stops us from being the great beings we were designed to be? Well, the voices in here, right? All those voices, which we're going to, we're going to define them, we're going to distinguish them, we're going to get to know them, and then we're going to know what to do with them. Beliefs, all of our limiting beliefs, which we talked about before, we'll just look at it again a little bit, and fear. The fear, so many different fears. We're going to look at all the different fears also. So we have a lot of work to do together. If you're willing to really look at this and examine it and take steps forward, I do believe that you and I can really transform. And number four is there are six steps to take to enable yourself to transform, and we're going to do those six steps together. It will take us a few weeks, but these are proven six steps that enable a person to become what they're picturing. We're going to work on the six steps together. So thank you. If you turn on the light now, that's what we're going to do with Living Carbonated. Again, this is not about a series of lectures. I'm not here to tell you this and this and this. I want to share with you truths from our Torah and from our Torah leaders and leave it to you to bring it into your own life in the way that works for you. So let's look first at page number one. Everybody should have a page number one. You should have a page one, two, and three to start your reference book for Living Carbonated Two. Okay, so we're just, it's, it's really late now. We're just gonna do a couple of things real fast. Okay, so I thought that it would be a good idea for those of you who are in Living Carbonated One to review a couple of ideas. And those of you who are, who are just joining us for Living Carbonated Two to hear some of the ideas. Again, if you wanna make a time where we could go through the ideas, um, we can do that together. But just here are some ideas that we own now. We have some real profound ideas that we learned. We own these ideas now that we didn't have in our repertoire when we first started. The question is, do you remember them? Okay. Are you clear on these ideas? The ideas, there are 10 ideas listed here. Are you clear on these ideas? And I wrote in brackets, Zichacharayo. Do you remember that? One of the first things we learned in Living Carbonated was that we think we know things, we think we understand ideas, and we really never paid attention to them. For instance, God loves you. What does that mean? What does that mean? Do you believe it? And if he does love you, how could he love you knowing who you are? And why would he love you? And why would he love the creature that he made? And if you're not a great creature, why do we love you? What does it feel like? What does it mean? Zichot Harayim means you take an idea and you really delve into it. Where you actually think about it and don't stay at your five-year-old level from when you first heard it. Maybe when you were in kindergarten. Oh, Hashem loves you. Hashem loved Avraham. Avraham was a very good person and he liked to have guests. And we stay at that level the rest of our life. Why did he like to have guests? 
Why does God appreciate when someone has guests? What does it mean to have a guest? What does it mean to treat a guest? Why is it so crucial? Why is it one of the things that our forefather Abraham did and we're supposed to imitate him? What on earth is that about? Did you ever think about it? Like really, really, really think about it? Because once you think about ideas, they become you. You realize why they're so important. There's a God. Did you ever think about that? What does that mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for him? What am I doing here? All of this zichol harayim we heard from Yisrael Salanter, you've got to delve and delve and delve and delve till you really get it. Because if you really get it, look at the next line. Do these truths motivate you, inspire you, keep you focused? And that's called hislahatos hanefesh. Do you remember that? That's the excitement of your soul. When a person really gets an idea deeply, it actually begins to matter to them and changes who they are. So we, we want to address all of these different things. How do I get myself to care? How do I get myself to be more, more spiritually inclined? Pull myself away a little bit from all of the petty things that pull at me or the material things that aren't so important but I make them so important. Or just serenity, calmness, lack of anxiety, trusting God, loving the people in my life. Now I always say, it's very easy to talk about Abbas Yisrael, loving the Jewish people. It's very hard to love a Jew, sometimes. <laughs> Isn't that true? Oh, Abbas Yisrael, look, in Israel, they're all dancing together and everybody's loving each other. Meanwhile, there are plenty of problems going on between people. I know because I spoke to somebody who's having a crazy problem with somebody, with a landlord in Israel. Oh, but we all love each other. Oh, but he's the same. So it's real easy to talk out as Israel. It's real hard to love every Jew. Why can't I love every Jew? What gets in my way? How do I become a lover? How do I imitate God? How do I be the greatness that's inside of me? That's what we're trying to achieve. So on this first page, there's just 10 different things that we addressed and attended to in our first Living Carbonated. And I, if, you know, again, if we can make a time when we can get together and if you weren't here before, we can go over these. If you were here before, you don't remember them, we can go over them. This is your series. This, I, I don't want to have the agenda and say you have to do this, you have to do that. I want to make things available to you because I want you to pick me up. I want you to raise me up. So I want to give you what you need and we can raise each other up. So um, I think I think we're gonna I think we have to stop there because we don't want to go too late. And I just want to say this. So we have on the table over there um, we have several things. Let me explain what they are. The first thing is just a writing notebook where when you want to sit down and write about things and think that you're going to have writing assignments and stuff, we'll give you pages to do the writing. And this is a notebook. You can keep track of your victories. You can keep track of whatever it is. Writing is super important. Even if you write for, set a timer and write for two minutes a day, not more. Don't write more than two minutes, but write two minutes a day. What you're thinking about, something you learned, you discussed with your kapura, something we discussed, an hour, anything you want. Take this and do that. We then have a pile of sets 
of the first living carbonated reference book, which you're welcome to take. We then have um, the book, the Chafetz Chaim, A Daily Companion. Now, this summer, when Tamima Oretz's mother was here, Mrs. Deborah Oretz, she shared with us when we got together in the summer that there's a woman who reads a page from this book every day, and she puts it on WhatsApp, and you can order the books for free. So she ordered for us 50 books and paid the shipping so that we could have it here. I'm going to give you, I think she said Tamima does it. Your mother told me that you listen every day. And I, this is a game changer. Just listening to this being read, it's a one-page thing, short thing every day. You listen to her read it. She's supposedly very effective. Is she Tamima? She does a good job? Right, just reading the words. But it's nice to hear somebody read them. You could just read it yourself. But imagine spending two, three minutes each day learning about guarding your tongue. That's going to change you right there. So I'm going to announce her name and the number on WhatsApp that you can listen to it and then take a book if you don't have this book at home. And um, also, we do still have, I have a few sets of the seven absolutely compelling reasons to trust Hashem. We have them in cards, and we have a shorter version on a piece of paper. I have it on my fridge, and I just try to look at it and remind myself that Hashem actually does love me and care about me and is trying to make my life work, which picks me up for a second or two. And um, if I look at it again, it's another second or two. So that might be something that you want to take. So, um, and also, we really want to help with the chaburos. So if anybody, if anybody has a chabura that's not quite working for them, do you want to stay with that chabura and we can meet and set up best practices, ideas for your chabura so it can be there for you, you can be there for it? Do you want to switch and create a new chabura? Let's work at it. It does, listen, if you don't have a chabura, it's okay. You know, everybody has to be who they are, but you're going to get so much more out of it and develop and grow if you can let the walls down a little bit and realize we're all working toward the same goal, and that is just becoming a little bit bigger and more of who we were meant to be. That's how we're working. That's what we're working on together. So please, you can call Elisheva, you can call me, and I'm happy to come and meet with any Chabura, figure out how to make it work, how to make it something that's efficient and positive, and we're going to get to work on all of the, talking about the fear, and talking about the six steps that we have to take, Becoming people that speak a language, live a language, think a language of love, faith, and transcendence. And we will change the world. And we don't know what difference this is going to make to the way things unfold. You know, the world is hanging by a thread right now. We can help Hashem to decide that things should move in a positive direction. Because he's just trying to get our attention. And we're here. Thank you all for coming. Please come. Anything, oh, let me just announce the name of this woman and her number. We have it here. Here it is. Her name is Eva Shama, something like that. And it's it's a WhatsApp thing. The number is nine one seven five seven nine. Two five six four. Take a book, try it out, see if you like. I think they're on page like sixty something now. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You can plunge in wherever you are. 
We are here for a purpose. We have each other. Let's really do this, ladies. Thank you so much for your time. We're meeting next week again, Tuesday night. Okay? Well, we'll put it on the website. Oh, it is? Yeah. So the 7th is the week, week after. Uh, we have the 7th.